We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day Podcast. We are going to be going over some Packers draft needs, or more importantly, some overarching draft philosophy as the Packers go through this year's draft. I think there's a lot of things that we sort of need to break down and discuss as Green Bay does attack this draft, so I'm really excited to go over that in just a moment. That being said, we did have a couple pieces of news from Monday, the first of which is that the Packers, at least some of them, most of them, are back at Lambeau doing off-season activities. There's no real note or takeaway that goes along with this. It's just really fun seeing the Packers back at Lambeau. It was fun seeing Jordan Love and his walk-up video to Lambeau and just kind of seeing him smiling, of course, in the snow, which I don't even want to talk about that crap at the moment. Uh, But anytime the Packers are back at Lambeau, it's a good thing. And just seeing some of those guys working out in the Hudson Center and those sort of things, just really cool to see. And more importantly, we had a bit of free agent news, I guess, if you will. And that is that Yash Nyman officially signed his restricted free agent tender. Reminder that Green Bay put the second round tender on Yash, meaning that if somebody had wanted to sign him, they would have had to sign him to a contract that Green Bay could have matched if they did not. 
the opposing team that signed him would have been able to obviously add him to their roster. However, they would have had to give Green Bay a second round pick in return. So that did not take place as expected. I never expected any other team to be interested in Yash Nyman for a major contract and a second round pick. That would have been a pretty significant ask. That being said, it's great to see Yash back in Green Bay. He will play on about a one-year, a little bit over $4 million deal. Does mean he will be on the team this year, barring some sort of trade, which I don't expect to take place. And as far as Yash goes, A, it puts him in an interesting position. He'll be an unrestricted free agent after this year, assuming no long-term deal gets done at some point. So that's very advantageous for a player who has started at left tackle, right tackle, and has shown at times to be a capable starter in this league. For Green Bay, they get a potential starter at right tackle, depending on what they want to do with him and Zach Tom and competing for that position. Maybe they move Zach Tom inside and have him compete at guard or center. Those are certainly possibilities. If it's at guard, you would think Elton Jenkins would be at center. We don't need to get into all of that today, but there's going to be a variety of options that they're going to have on the offensive line for how they want to stack that group up, but he will have the potential to start at right tackle. And for Green Bay, it's more of an interesting decision long-term as to how they view Yash. Do they view him as a long-term starting tackle? And if so, do they want to get a long-term deal done in some capacity? And as we go over the Packers' needs and philosophy as we attack this upcoming draft, I think it's interesting to note whether or not Green Bay views Yash as a long-term tackle. Because if they do, if they think he is a long-term starting offensive tackle and they think they can get a deal done for him, well, that takes up one of your starting offensive tackle spots for the foreseeable future. And you could make the argument that Yash Nyman may be at left tackle or right tackle and Zach Tom at the opposing one. Even if that David Bakhtiari is gone next year with contract concerns or injury concerns or whatever may come over the next season or so, even if that is the case, you can make the argument that you have two starting offensive tackles on the roster and you still have Elton Jenkins who might be able to kick out to left tackle in a pinch as well. So if Green Bay views Yash as a long-term starter and thinks they can get a long-term deal done with him at some point this season, that changes the calculus at tackle as Green Bay goes through this draft. And as we talk about the Paris Johnsons and you know the, the Peter Skaronskis and the Broderick Joneses and the Darnell Wrights of the world, that could change things quite a bit. Now, I, I don't necessarily view it that way. I think the offensive line is very much going to be in flux in 2024, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But the Yash Nyman you know, ultimate decision that he's going to be back on the one-year deal and how Green Bay views him could, and I emphasize could, affect how Green Bay attacks that offensive tackle position in this year's draft. And again, a large part of that will be how they view Yash and his future as a member of the Green Bay Packers. Right now, he will be on a one-year Again, a little bit over $4 million deal, and he'll be an unrestricted free agent after the season. And as of right now, Green Bay will probably have to attack it as such that he is an unrestricted free agent after the season, and they could potentially lose him, especially to teams who are in need of a starting offensive tackle and are going to probably have more money to spend than Green Bay will in 2024. And that brings us to our main topic for today, and that is what are Green Bay's legitimate needs in this draft? What does Brian Gutekunst have to accomplish as we are inching ever so close to the first round of the draft and then obviously preceded by day two and day three? There are clearly some major needs that Green Bay and Brian Gutekunst must address. And I don't need to necessarily say these for you out loud because you know them already, but I'm going to anyway. Wide receiver, tight end, safety, just to name a few, those are massive needs for Green Bay. 
And you could argue that you've got Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs as your starter. Maybe Samori Toure can take a jump. But even if you would argue that, you still have major needs as depth at wide receiver. And you would certainly love a few more playmaking options for Jordan Love. Tight end, you've got, let's just say it, they don't have tight ends. Like they've got Josiah DeGuar, who's an H-back, and who will be used a little bit more, I think, with Jordan Love in that tight end role this upcoming season. But you've got DeGuara as an H-back. You've got Tyler Davis, and you've got a couple undrafted free agent, street free agent flyers that probably won't amount to anything as much as I love Austin Allen. That's not the point today. So those are clear needs. At safety, you can make a strong argument that Green Bay does not have a starting caliber safety. Depends on how you view view Darnell Savage. I view him based on the tape that he's put on the last two seasons at safety, which is not starting caliber safety play. Rudy Ford showed flashes last season. That is not a player that you want to count on to play a thousand plus snaps at safety in an ideal situation. Can he be a filler here or there? Absolutely. Could it be a one-year filler? Sure. Tavarius Moore is more of a special team signing that could potentially, you know, get in the safety rotation if you would all of a sudden play very, very well, a la what Rudy Ford did a season ago. And you've got maybe a Tariq Carpenter who could take a jump and Ennis Gaines who could take a jump, but you don't necessarily have starting caliber safeties on your roster right now. So we could go through all the positions, spoiler alert, we will, but wide receiver, tight end, safety, clear, obvious needs that Brian Gutekunst must, and I capitalized M-U-S-T, address in this year's draft, right? He has to, right? Let's go over this in great detail, because I will tell you this year, maybe more than any year, but almost every year, the draft is not for need. Need is free agency, street free agents, trades, and how you want to ultimately stack your roster before the season begins. That is what need is for. The draft is for talent. Maybe some short-term, but more importantly, long-term, and getting guys that are going to be the most value and potential and long-term players for your franchise for the foreseeable future. Now, that is always the case, unless you are in an extreme all-in scenario where you're the Rams and your team F them picks, then that changes the calculus a little bit. But unless you are in that scenario, you are drafting for talent. You want the best possible players for the longest period of time. This is your best opportunity to draft cheap, talented players throughout the draft that can help you now and in the future and hopefully are going to be the foundation and building blocks of your franchise. And you are getting them on cheap deals. The odds are that when you resign them, you're going to be able to resign them for cheaper than what you would if they were available on the free agent market. So this is your best opportunity to long-term team build. And we have seen this from Ron Wolf to, you know, Ted Thompson to Brian Gutekunst. I should not be spoiling anything for you as we say this. It seems like every year Packer fans get deer in the headlights. They got to get wide receiver. They got to get this. They got to get that. And I will be totally truthful with you. I'm not saying that Green Bay has done this perfectly. There have been times where they needed to draft better for need, and they needed to take a little bit more of a Rams approach and say, F them picks, we need talent right now. And Green Bay has not always done the best job with that. I've been clear with that on the past, and I will be clear with that right now. That being said, this year, especially right now, is not the time to draft for need. And there are some clear and obvious needs on this team. I just mentioned them. Safety, wide receiver, tight end. And you're certainly going to earmark those as you're going through your draft and as you're putting together your draft board. But this should not be a specific situation where you're sitting in round one at pick 15 and you say, well, we need wide receiver, tight end, safety. 
and you look at the board and Jackson Smith and Jigba's gone, there's no safety on the board worth taking at 15. There's no wide receiver on the board worth taking at 15. And tight ends, as we've gone over before, as I've gone over in great detail, are arguably not worth taking in round one. So what do you do? Do you reach for a wide receiver? Do you reach for a safety? Do you take a tight end, even though the value maybe is not quite there at that position? That becomes a bit more of an issue. So we don't want Green Bay to all of a sudden draft for need in a position where they're not going to compete this year at the highest of levels. That's not what they're ultimately going for. And before I get there, I'll say this. When a team organizes their board and they say best player available, it is best player available on their board is what they're going for. That does not mean that need does not take precedent when players are being separated that are equal to one another. There are a lot of times where you get to your final grades and you might have a wide receiver, a defensive lineman, a tight end, and a corner who are all draft, like all have about the same grade. And what do you do to separate them? You rank them based off of your needs, what the team is currently in the biggest need for. And even if you have a, let's just say, I don't know exactly what Green Bay's grading system is. Let's say it's on a 10-point scale and you've got a corner with a 7.9 grade and you have a wide receiver with a 7.7 grade, even then, you know, because where the needs are in your team, you might say, even though corner's a little bit of a need as well, you might say wide receiver is a bigger need and that you want to get Jordan Love weapons right now, that we're going to take the 7.7 guy over the 7.9 guy based on based on current team needs. And that's ultimately how you stack your board. You might have a wide receiver on, you know, 13th on your board with a 7.7 grade and a, you know, corner ranked 16th on your board with a 7.9 grade. That's okay. And, that, and that's exactly what I mean by, you know, best player available on your board, not necessarily best player available. It doesn't do anyone any good. If, you know, let's just say linebacker, an off-ball linebacker. Let's say Drew Sanders is the top player on the Packers draft board when they're picking at 15. That's not going to be the case, but let's just roll with me here for a second. They've got Devondre Campbell right now, who just played an all-pro level two seasons ago. He's on a controllable team contract if they want to keep him on the roster for the next couple seasons. And they just spent a first-round pick last year you know, at the same position. So uh, on Quay Walker, obviously. So this is not necessarily a position where you want to go out, even though Drew Sanders may be the best graded player on your board. This is not necessarily a position where you want to go out and draft another off-ball linebacker. So your board is going to reflect that. And the value of the position is going to reflect that. So when Green Bay is putting together their board, it is going to be, you know, need is going to be involved in that. The, like the overall value of a, a position. And that's why I say Green Bay loves taking premium position players early in the draft. That is going to you know factor heavily when they put their board together. You know, Age, potential, upside, but also again, team need is going to be factored in there as well. They factor in everything. So yes, value or need is going to be ultimately valued on the board. But right now, this is not the time to reach for a player because you have a specific need. And especially in this draft, as I just mentioned, there might only be one wide receiver that's really truly worth a first round pick or certainly worth the 15th pick. And there's a very good chance he's gone. And there's no safety. In my opinion, like there's, there might not be a safety that's worth a top 25 pick. It might not even be worth a first round pick in this year's draft. Sorry, Brian Branch. I just don't see you as a true safety. I see you as more of a nickel. And even then there's some athletic limitations there. So I don't know that I necessarily see a safety with a first round grade in this draft. 
And then you've got your tight ends. And as I've discussed ad nauseum, I just don't think that there's value at drafting tight end early in the draft, unless you really, really hit on them, which has not been the case in the first round. But if you really hit on it, then great. You can maybe get away with it. But more often than not, teams have not been able to do that when drafting tight ends in the first round. Now, as I mentioned, the reason that this is even more so the case this upcoming season is because Green Bay is not in an all-in situation. They are not aggressively trying to win a Super Bowl in 2023. That should not become as a surprise to anyone whatsoever. But I want to be clear on what that means, because I think we take this as, well, what do you mean Green Bay shouldn't be trying to win a Super Bowl? Every team should be trying to win a Super Bowl. Yes, to some extent, you're right. But here's how you have to separate church and state a little bit with that philosophy. Every single player on your first 90-man roster and eventually your 53-man roster, 16-man practice squad, etc., every single player on your team from right now when they reported you know, today as I'm recording this on Monday to the end of the season should be aggressively trying to win a Super Bowl. Screw what the franchise is trying to do. Screw if they're all in or not. It doesn't matter to the players. They should be trying to win a Super Bowl. And there's certainly a lot of talent in Green Bay. And while it's not probably super feasible that they can win a Super Bowl, it's never out of the question. There have been way crazier sports stories in the history of time than the Green Bay Packers winning a Super Bowl in 2023. Improbable? Oh, heck yeah. Likely? Oh, heck no. But not impossible. And every player should be fighting to go out and win a Super Bowl in 2023. Every coach should be going out to win a Super Bowl in 2023, regardless of where this roster is at. Again, there is crazy talent on this team. And if all of a sudden some of those rookies or those second and third year players make their second and third year jumps, they get a really strong draft class that they maybe, you know, that maybe just exceeded expectations. And Jordan Love plays at a much higher level than anyone thought even he was capable of all of a sudden you're competing and the coaching staff should be trying to get the players ready to compete at that level. And every coach on the roster should be trying to win a Super Bowl in 2023. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, 
thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. But Brian Gutekunst and the GM, or in that case, Brian Gutekunst, and the front office, I should say, should not be aggressively trying to win a Super Bowl in 2023. This is not the time. This is not the window. You don't have the financial resources. You don't have the draft resources. You don't have the borrowing capability from future draft classes. And trying to go all in right now on a Jordan Love first season as a starter would be a disaster in all likelihood. You are going to borrow from the future to try to win right now. That's not a good idea. You're going to trade draft picks now to fill out your roster and try to compete in 2023. That's not a good idea. Like, are you going to draft for need so that you can compete in 2023? That's not a good idea. Brian Gutekunst right now in this season should be doing everything that he can to get as much talent as possible on this roster for when that next window opens up. And I've talked about that ad nauseum, 2025, 2026, maybe next year if things hit sooner rather than later and sooner than expected. It's not impossible, but Brian Gutekind should not be aggressively trying to win a Super Bowl this year and therefore should be just trying to acquire talent and make incremental increases to the roster and incremental improvements here and there to sort of round out some edges and give the players and the coaching staff that opportunity that, hey, if things hit weirdly and all of a sudden things go really, really well and the draft hits well and your second and third year jumps come in and like all of these things happen at once, Rashawn Gary comes back and plays better even than he did prior to the injury and maybe a bunch of stuff that altogether isn't super realistic, but individually, none of them are all that crazy. Like if all of a sudden all of that hits at once and you can compete, awesome. And Brian Gutekinds maybe has some flexibility at the trade deadline to do something at that time. And that's what he should be doing right now is setting up again, some incremental improvements, filling out the roster here and there. Some guys he thinks could maybe have be an upside play like a Bo Melton at the end of last year is a great example of that. Seventh round pick a season ago that had a ton of upside that, you know, you, you take a flyer on it. And if all of a sudden he gets in the right system and starts playing out of his mind, like maybe you found something there. Probably not. But those are the type of moves that Brian should be making. And hopefully you hit on a couple of those upside plays with low risk. And again, you help your team, whether that's now or in the future. That's where Brian Gutekunst should be. And that's where his mindset should be. And I can pretty much promise you that that's where his mindset is right now. He's not aggressively trying to go all in and win anything right now. He's trying to acquire as much talent as possible for the long-term health and sustainability of this team. And let's be clear, he does that almost always anyway, even when they should be in an all-in situation. So you can pretty much bring it to the bank and bank on it that he's going to be doing that this offseason. Now, the fun thing for Green Bay, and you can define fun in a variety of different ways, I guess, but that should leave all avenues open. And Brian Gutekinds can attack this draft in any way that he pleases and take the best players that are available, again, for the long-term health of this team. And the truth is that Green Bay has a lot of needs in this draft. And we're going to go all over all of them in just a moment. And the truth is that even with all the picks that he has, and even if he trades down and acquires more picks, and even if he gets uh, you know, a top potential pick from the Jets, even if he has all of that, he can't fill all the needs that Green Bay has in just this draft. So as much as we would like to see him fill out tight end, 
and wide receiver and maybe get a bit more depth on the offensive line and all the other needs and, and, and find a starting caliber safety. As much as we would love to see him do those things, there's it, it's a, a literal impossibility for him to fill out everything that Green Bay needs in this year's draft. It's just impossible. So what he should be again focusing on is taking the best player available, finding the best talent, and then after the draft, going out and finding some cheap free agents that can fill out the roster and give the coaches what they need to still go out and compete in 2023 and give Jordan Love at least some tangible targets that he can work with in 2023 if all of a sudden he goes through the draft and wide receiver and tight end just don't present themselves the way that we would have liked and way that we would have expected. Sometimes the draft just doesn't go your way. And Brian Gutekinds will be prepared that if that happens and they have to go in a different direction and fill out the roster in different ways, that he will have tight ends and off or, and wide receivers that he can fill out this roster with as they go through the you know remainder of the free agency period and find a couple guys that can help this team. And maybe someone surprises. That certainly happens from time to time too. But they don't need to go aggressive. And as much as I was being a little bit facetious at the beginning, and as much as we'd love to see wide receiver, tight end safety in those positions, it doesn't mean that Brian actually has to do that. Now, that being said, it doesn't mean that you should go into the draft without a vision, without a theme. And I think it's clear that the vision and theme as much as possible should be to help Jordan Love and this offense both now and in the future. Right now, as we look at this roster, specifically on offense, specifically at weapons, Jordan Love is an unknown at quarterback. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon very well could be playing their last seasons as Green Bay Packers this upcoming year. You have Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samore Toure, and we're not quite sure what they're going to be looking like as completed wide receivers and as you know reaching their potential. We don't know what that looks like. They really don't have a tight end. And yeah, the offensive line is pretty good right now, but there's going to be some needs there in the future as well. They just don't have enough on offense. So helping Jordan Love to so Green Bay can evaluate him this upcoming season so that you can put weapons around him so you're not just sort of, you know, putting him out there without the, the tools that he needs to be successful in his first year as a starter, I do think the overarching vision should be to help Jordan and to help this offense as much as possible. And I do think you want to give Jordan a chance at success. And to do that, you need to fill out those positions a little bit better. So wide receiver, tight end, offensive lineman, maybe even running back should be a huge desire for Brian in this draft. And the board should be stacked appropriately to maybe move some of those players up a little bit over other positions, like it may be an inside linebacker that you have a you know fair amount of right now and you don't necessarily have a need at that position. So I do think it's fair that if Green Bay wants to go into this draft with a theme of helping Jordan and putting weapons and talent around him, I think that makes a ton of sense. And that's what I do expect Green Bay to do. But as I mentioned, sometimes the draft just doesn't go in your favor. And as much as you would like to draft a wide receiver and tight end, you know that if you're doing so, you might be reaching and taking a player that's just quite frankly, not very good. And you never want to end up doing that just for the sake of need. So need as much as we would like it, does, should not really play a factor as Brian Gutekunst is going through that draft other than stacking his draft board initially the way that he needs to stack it. And you look at this team right now, wide receiver, Watson, Dobbs, Ture clearly needs some more depth there. Again, no tight ends. Offensive lineman looks pretty good, right? You have Bakhtiari, Nyman, Zach Tom, Rashid Walker, Caleb Jones, Luke Tenuta at tackle. You've got Jenkins, John Runyon Jr., Royce Newman, Sean Ryan at guard. Center is Josh Myers. You've got Jake Hansen also as a potential depth piece there. You look at it and that seems like, hey, all right, 
you've got your starters. Like you can go in with Bakhtiari, Nyman, and Tom at tackle, Jenkins and John Runyon Jr. at guard, and Myers at center. You can go in with that. And even then, you still have Zach Tom to potentially compete with Myers if you're not happy with Myers. You have Tom as an ultimate depth piece. You've got Royce Newman who started games, Jake Hansen who started games, Sean Ryan, a third round pick a season ago, Rashid Walker and Caleb Jones are, uh, and even Luke Tenuta are some potential upside plays down the road. Like you've got a good mix of current starters, depth, and potential that you can hopefully cultivate and, and develop over the next couple seasons. That feels pretty good right now. So while wide receiver and tight ends are clearly the need, maybe offensive line isn't quite that much of a need. However, we know that Green Bay likes to draft a year early. And you look at that offensive lineman or the offensive line as a whole, Bakhtiari this year could be playing his last season in Green Bay based on his contract and based on his previous injury concerns. That's not completely out of the question. Yash Nyman is going to be an unrestricted free agent, as we talked about. We have Josh Myers, who is basically not been good the last couple seasons, if we're being totally honest. You've got John Runyon Jr., who's an unrestricted free agent. Zach Tom is going to have to find a long-term position. You, you look at it, and then you have a bunch of unknowns. You know, Royce Newman and, and Jake Hansen have not been good when they have been in. So you look at 2024... There's only three players of all those guys that I just mentioned that I would be willing to bet are on the roster in some capacity in 2024, and that's Zach, Tom, Elton Jenkins, and Josh Myers. Those are the only three that I will say with certainty are probably on the roster in 2024. And even that, again, Josh Myers has not been good his first two years in the league. So you can't necessarily just bank on him being an like a uh, you know good to go starter in 2024. And Zach Tom, same thing, right? Like I think we are all expecting him to be a long term starter, but you know he was okay when he played last year as a rookie, but he needs to find a long term spot and really settle in there. Like Ellen Jenkins is really your only guy that you can count on right as of right now that we know is going to be there in 2024. So if you want to go offensive line in the draft, that certainly could be a direction that you go in as well that could give you some depth and versatility this year and could easily be a starter as soon as 2024. And if you look at this draft, you look at the like if even if we're like focusing in on wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, and wide receiver, as I mentioned, JSN could likely be gone by the time Green Bay picks, and there's arguably no other wide receiver worth taking at 15. And tight end, like I argued, don't take a tight end round one. And offensive line, that leaves you with maybe Skaronsky, Darnell Wright, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones. All four of those could be in play. But if you want to just focus on offense, you might be down to just like whatever offensive lineman is still left available. Probably a Darnell Wright or a Broderick Jones, but both of those guys could be gone as well. And then things would get very, very interesting. That brings us to running back. Surely Green Bay wouldn't take a running back at 15, right? Right? I don't think they would either. But as I mentioned, Aaron Jones, this could be his last year based on his contract. AJ Dillon's an unrestricted free agent, and you're certainly not making any decisions based off of Tyler Goodson or Patrick Taylor. So that is a position that I think Green Bay will address in the draft. I don't expect it at 15. But as I mentioned, sort of like you're in a position where all options are on the table. And if you look at this position by position, and we talked about Green Bay having needs in this draft and needs overall in their franchise. We talked about quarterback yesterday. They need a backup and they need insurance at the position. Running back 2024 is a huge need at running back. Wide receivers in need right now. Tight end is a massive need right now. Offensive line 2024 need, and you could even probably find somebody that could help you right now in 2023. Defensive line needs more depth and probably could use another playmaker. Edge, you have a need now because of Rashawn Gary's injury. And certainly in 2024, with Preston Smith probably playing in his last season. 
you know, edge or excuse me, outside linebacker or off-ball linebacker, a possible 2024 need based on Devondre Campbell's contract and being able to get off him, but probably the least of your worries and concerns right now. Cornerback is a slight 2023 need based on Eric Stokes's injury and just needing some depth there as well. And certainly is a 2024 need with Keyshawn Nixon and Razul Douglas. Keyshawn Nixon being a free agent, Razul Douglas being a potential cap casualty in 2024. And safety is a huge need right now. Even kicker and a punter are potential needs right now. And yes, you could just go with Pat O'Donnell, but kicker is a need either way. And punter, I'm sure you would love to get younger and better at that position. So yeah, off-ball linebacker, not a huge need. Everything else you can make an argument is a need in some capacity. And as we talked about yesterday, if you go through position by position here, quarterback, you're kind of in no man's land. All four guys could be gone by pick 15 and you probably don't want a quarterback anyway in round one. And then things get complicated because you don't want to use your second pick or second round pick on Hendon Hooker. And he could easily be gone by that time as well. And then the, the, the rest of the quarterbacks just drop off. Running back, you probably shouldn't take a running back round one if we're just being real. Wide receiver, as I mentioned, JSN could be gone and then there's not a wide receiver worth taking at pick 15. Talked about tight end. Offensive tackle, you're looking at Johnson, Jones, Skaronsky, Wright, who could be available. Defensive lineman, Jalen Carter, probably gone. And then it's probably too early for Brzee, Cancy, or Mozzie Smith. At edge, Lucas Van Ness, Miles Murphy, Keon White could be in play. I don't think Nolan Smith probably is based on his size, but that's maybe another one. As I mentioned, no off-ball linebacker that would be worth it at pick 15, even if they needed one. At corner, Christian Gonzalez probably gone. I don't think the rest of the corners are exactly Green Bay's cup of tea. And safety, there's probably nobody available at in, like I said, the first round that's worth taking, much less pick 15. And that literally leaves you with whatever offensive lineman is remaining, maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba if he's there, but I don't think he will be. Lucas Van Ness if he's there, Miles Murphy if he's there, Keon White if he's there. You could trade up. You could trade down. You could get a little frisky at tight end or running back. I wouldn't recommend it. I really wouldn't recommend it. I think that would be a very bad use of draft resources, but you could go in that direction. But we know how Green Bay likes to be you know, aggressive with drafting premium position players. That's why like, you look at it. Like I said, whatever of the top offensive linemen are remaining, maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba, Lucas Van Ness, maybe Miles Murphy, who may not even hit the agility that Green Bay really likes, and then Keon White, who doesn't necessarily hit the age that Green Bay likes either. I think the interesting thing about this draft is Green Bay's prob- probably, unless Van Ness is there, unless JSN's there, or unless you know one of those top offensive linemen are there, they're probably going to have to compromise on something, which then becomes the question of what do they compromise on? And maybe that is a tight end. Maybe they do very much take the best tight end in the draft and say, you know what? The best friend for Jordan Love could very well be a tight end. And we're just going to take the best one that's available. We get our choice of who we think is the best tight end in this draft. There's four or five really good ones. We get to we get the pick of the litter and we can start by taking the guy that we want. And maybe that's the direction that Green Bay goes. I wouldn't do it, as I've said on numerous occasions, but I think they're going to probably have to compromise on something, whether that's age, whether that's premium position, you know, whether that's one of their thresholds, just kind of as they did a year ago when Quay, not a premium position player, and Devontae Wyatt was 24 years old. And maybe maybe Keon White ultimately ends up being the guy there for that exact reason, a little bit overaged, but somebody that can come in and be a rotational edge rusher for them right away, probably a starter up until Rashawn Gary gets back and is ready to go and then can come in and play a serious role even after Gary's back. So if I were at Green Bay and I was stacking a board, I would still be looking premium position round one. I'm not willing to compromise. Maybe a trade up, maybe a trade down. I don't mind that, but Offensive line, edge, Jackson Smith and Jigba, probably what I'm targeting in round one. 
In round two, I'm really looking at a tight end. I, I want to get the next guy that's remaining, whether that is a Darnell Washington and he's still there, whether that's a Luke Musgrave, whether that's a Sam Laporta. I really want to try to attack that position, even if I have to move up a little bit in round two. Round three, of course, they need to trade out of round three entirely because they can't pick a third round pick to save their lives. But wide receiver, tight end, defensive line, edge, corner, safety, running back, all in play in that position. In round four, I think you can start adding quarterback back into the mix. Round five, again, running back, tight end, probably really good options there. Even, you know, not round five, but probably if they would move down into round six or even round seven, I think even kicker or punter could become options at that point. And then round seven, once you get to that point, as I mentioned in the past, it just doesn't matter. Like just take whoever's best because you're just taking flyers on guys at that point. But as I mentioned before, you can't address everything. I did ESPN's mock draft simulator. They just sent it out and I used it for the first time and just kind of using what I thought Green Bay should kind of do round by round. I think each of these picks individually, you can sort of understand. I picked Darnell Wright with the the first pick. Now, all of the offensive tackles were there, save for Skaronsky. So if you'd prefer Broderick Jones, if you'd prefer um, Paris Johnson, if you'd prefer Darnell Wright, insert which one you want there. I think it's a really interesting discussion as to which one Green Bay would pick. That's another story for another day. Put whatever one that you want in there. Darnell Wright, Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson. That's the first pick. You get a premium position player that fits their mold entirely in round one. Round two, I took Keanu Benton, defensive lineman out of Wisconsin. Tucker Craft, the tight end in round three. Isaiah McGuire, the edge rusher in round four. Elijah Higgins, the wide receiver in round five. Clayton Toon, the quarterback in round five. And then Ryan Hayes, the offensive lineman in round seven. Makai Garner, the corner in round seven. Charlie Jones and Mitchell Tinsley, two wide receivers in round seven. You look at it overall, you're like, okay, you got your premium position offensive lineman. You got another really big playmaker and rotational guy on the defensive line, which is needed. You got a tight end in the third round in Tucker Craft that might be your number one guy to start off with. You got an edge player that again is needed and is they could use more guys, you know, rotationally along the, the edge rusher position. You got three wide receivers. You got your backup quarterback. You got another depth piece on the offensive line with Ryan Hayes. And then you got a corner that can come and compete and maybe be your fourth, fifth, sixth corner in Makai Garner. Like all of those things individually are needs in some capacity. But what happened? Even that, like like I said, every one of those picks individually, you can make an argument for, you got no safety. You got no wide receiver until round five, even though you got three of them. You got no running back. You only got one tight end. You didn't get a kicker or a punter. So even though you address some of those things, it's just really hard. And maybe they get another pick in the second round, first round, third round, who knows, for you know, in the Aaron Rodgers trade. Uh, and that could certainly help fill another one of those positions. But even if they do, it's going to be very, very difficult to fill all of those needs, which is why, again, needs should not play a massive part in what Brian Gutekunst wants to do in this draft. Get the best players that are available and start filling out this roster with real legitimate talent. This roster needs, this roster doesn't need positions. It needs playmakers. It needs real players who can come in and make an impact on your team. That is the need. It's not a position. It is a type of player big time players, big time playmakers. And I do not care what position that they play at this point with the current state of the franchise. You just need good, young, raw talent, not even raw, just good, young talent that can come in and play at a potentially very high level. Screw position, need be damned, go out and get good football players. Number one, I'll say it one more time. Everything is a need. And because of that, almost nothing is a need at this point. 
Draft your best players available. The draft shouldn't be for need anyway, unless you are a win now, right now, right, right now situation, which Green Bay is not in. You can't address everything anyway and go get yourself as much talent as humanly possible. That is the need in this year's draft. That is going to do it for me today. Thank you so incredibly much for joining me. I appreciate you all so much. Tell a friend about the podcast. Subscribe if you haven't already. Hit that notification icon so you get a notification every time there's a new episode up, which of course is 365 days a year. I'll see you guys right back here tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go! This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.